Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Bibles, if you would please, to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. And yes, I know I said Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's going to make a little bit more sense later on as we get into this passage. So as I said earlier, we're starting a new series here over the next few weeks. It's called The New Exodus. And you know the old Exodus when the Israelites left Egypt in search of the promised land under the leadership of Moses and then Joshua. This is referred to as the New Exodus because this is a time when the Israelite captives that were taken captive by the Babylonian forces and brought into Babylon, they were leaving Babylon at this time and heading back home to Jerusalem okay so that's Jeremiah 29 verses 10 through 14 uh, Halloween season it's upon us right haunted houses have begun popping up all over the place and you know I never really was a fan of haunted houses I was always too scared to go inside as a child I was afraid of the dark and didn't like to be by myself in the dark and you know life can get dark at times even for Christians even for people of God life can get dark and so what we want to focus on today is this principle God keeps his promises very simple God keeps his promises and we can apply this to our lives by remembering God's promises help us during the darker times of life simply we simply do not know what the future holds for us but we do know on this earth but we do know what the future holds for us in God's hands and that is because we stand on the promises of God so before we get into this let me set the scene for you here about what's happening we have the Israelites the year is about 515 BC Okay, so the Israelites have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian forces. And when they led the people of Israel out of Jerusalem, they destroyed Jerusalem and they left it a heap, a ruinous heap. And they destroyed the temple as well. So for the past 70 years, the people of Israel, the smart ones, the strong ones, the intelligent ones, the leaders, have been living captive in Babylon and they left behind the weak. That's how they used to take cities captive. They would just leave behind the weak and they would take the best out of the cities. So this is what's been happening for 70 years. Now a new force has risen to power, the Persians. The Persians have defeated the Babylonians and a decree has been sent out by the king of Persia, King Cyrus, and he says, we will allow the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And this is what Ezra is writing about. And this is what Jeremiah prophesied about. And that's what read, uh, Fred read, Fred read, just in verse 10 there. He said, after 70 years, I will bring my people back. So that's what's happening here at this time. The people of Israel are heading back home. It is a new exodus back home. And they are going there in order to rebuild the destroyed temple of the Lord. Now there are some names that you're going to hear over the course of the next, next few weeks. You're going to hear the name Zerubbabel. 
and Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah at this time, and Joshua was the high priest. Now these two, they led the charge to leave Babylon and to come back home and to begin build, rebuilding the pieces, all right? It'd be like somebody, a force, coming here and destroying our place of worship, destroying Creekside Church building, right? And then here we come back and we're going to start picking through the rubble and we're going to start rebuilding the walls so that we have a place to congregate together and worship the Lord. So that's what's happening here. So the Jewish people have returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple to the Lord. And why have they done this? They have done it because they have remembered and trusted in the promises of God. For 70 years as, as exiles in a foreign land, they have stood on the promises of God. And this has been their motivation. And now the time has arrived uh, when my daughter Savannah was a little girl. It's okay. This is a good story. She had this little tiny Elmo chair. And she would come running out of her room and she would go sit in that chair and it was nestled between the window and the fireplace. And for just no apparent reason, she would come zipping around and she would sit in that chair and she would grab a book at times and look through the pictures. Or she would just want to see what's happening in the living room. One time, one of her cousins was sitting in that chair and we have this moment on video. And she comes zipping out of the room and she was getting ready to sit in that chair and her cousin was sitting in the chair and she looks around, <laughs> almost right at the camera, and she goes, that mine, that mine, right? That mine. And that was her chair. And God wants us to have that same thought in mind in regards to his promises. He wants you to take his promises, to stand on them, to take them in your hands, put them in your heart, and to say, that mine, that mine. Those promises of God are mine they are for you they are written on the pages so that when the times get tough when the lights go out you have them to hang on to they belong to you they are yours for safekeeping god's promises and god's word so what i want to know is this what was god's promise for his people what was it that he said to them that they would hang on for 70 years. Boy, what kind of good word did God speak that for 70 years people would live in captivity in a dark and trying time that made them want to hang on and wait for the appropriate time to wait on God, to be still and know that he is God. What is it that he said? Let's go into Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, and let's take a look at what happened there. It says this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. Here it is to bring you back to this place. I will bring you back to this place. I will bring you back home. Look up there. God promises to bring his people home. Does he not? God promises to bring his people home. The people of Israel were captives in Babylon for 70 years. And he was going to bring them back home now. You and I live like exiles and sojourners in this earth, don't we? Look what it says there in Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship, you're going to want to remember that. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. You know what that means? This is not your home. You are here on a visa. You are here on a green card. You do not belong here. This is not your home. The earth is not where you reside. Your home is in heaven. There's a band, a Christian band, Building 429, and they have a song uh, with lyrics that uh, put this point across very beautifully, and it goes like this. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. Our citizenship is not. That's why Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven because there is a place waiting for you. And God promises to bring you back home. But you say, Nick, I was born on this earth. This is the only place I know. And I would say to you this. This is what God's saying. He's saying, the idea to create you did not take place here, but the idea for your creation took place in the heavens where I am because it was God who conceived the idea to conceive you and to create you and to form you in your mother's womb. Look what it says here in Jeremiah 1.5, and you can write this down and look at it later. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. And it doesn't mean just a head knowledge. God didn't just know us, but God knew us intimately. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And you know where that took place? That took place in heaven. The idea for you, the inception of you, the creation date for you took place in the heavenlies, in the abode of God, where God resides on his throne, where one day you will be again because God promises to bring you back home, to bring you back to this place. You are captives and you are exiles here on the earth. We are wandering as sojourners. We are wandering in the wilderness, but my dear friends, it won't be long. It won't be long. We don't know when that day or that hour comes. It could be tomorrow for some of us. It could be a week from now for some of us. We just do not know. But we do know this because we stand on the promise of God, do we not? Do we stand on the promises of God? We sure do. And because we stand on those promises, we know that he will bring us home. You know, there's no feeling like coming back home after you've been away. Think of a soldier. Think of someone who's been over in a foreign land doing battle over there, not knowing where the enemy is firing from. You're, you feel like an exile. Think about a hostage, someone that's been a captive or a prisoner over in a foreign land for many years or for a, a period of time, how they might feel. You know, they're captives and their hostages you know we went to sarasota florida this time last year and when it was time to go home it was time to go home we were just ready to be home we got to the airport and there was confusion where's the luggage where's the bus that's going to take us to our car there was confusion and it was the wee hours of the morning and the last thing we wanted to hear was there's trouble or that somebody didn't know 
what the answer was to get us back to our van. We got our stuff here. We want to get in the van. We want to go home. We want to get in our beds. We want to put our stuff away in the morning. We just want to get back home. We couldn't wait. And there we were driving on the highway back home in the wee hours of the morning. And when we pulled up into that driveway, it was like, ah, yes, here we are. And we walked in. We dropped our luggage and we went to bed and there's no better feeling than sleeping in your own bed and being home. Being home is a good feeling. Can you imagine the feeling that it's going to be when you and I finally get back home, when we finally get back to the place where we belong? We do not belong here. We belong in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. How do you get citizen, citizen, <laughs> citizenship in heaven? How do you do that? You have to know Jesus Christ. You have to put your faith and trust in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. I would like to say you could walk in that door and sit in those chairs and ta-da, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but that's simply not the case. We have to surrender. We have to submit. We have to put aside our pride. We have to put aside the attitude that says, I'm going to take control of everything. I'm going to do it all. And we have to put that aside and we have to surrender and let God do his good work in our lives. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. And we have to have that blood applied to our hearts. So coming home, there's no greater feeling you know, when we were coming home, one thing we didn't want to come home to was a lot of work or a mess. You know, it, you're coming home from a long trip. You don't want to walk in the door and see the loads of laundry to do and the dishes in the sink, right? And then I, I pull up the driveway and it's like, oh, the grass grew three inches in a week while we were away. Oh, there's grass to cut. There's all this stuff to do. Man, when you come home, you just want to come home and rest. I don't want to think about all these things I need to do, right? When we get home with the Lord, my dear friends, there is not going to be anything like that for us to do because it is the Lord who is preparing a place for you right now. John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go, for I go. Jesus says, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if Jesus says it, then you know it's true. It's a promise that you can stand on and rely upon. The Lord is going to prepare a place when we walk in through the heavenly gates, when we are finally with our Lord and Savior, the place that he has prepared for us is going to be clean. It's going to be immaculate. It's going to be free of needing any work done to it. Why? Because God is a God of perfect completion. God leaves no stone unturned. God will do everything in his power to make sure that when we are received into this place this dwelling place that he has prepared for us 
All there is for us to do is to praise him, glorify him, and worship him, and thank him. Thank you, Lord God, for preparing a place for me today. I know that you are busy today at this very moment preparing a place for us. Isn't that a good feeling? Isn't it a good feeling to know that you have a place in heaven? Oh, Creekside Church. Isn't it a good feeling to know that you have a place in heaven? Isn't it a good feeling to know that God is preparing a place for you? I was listening on the radio earlier this week, a story of a, an elderly woman. She was leaving home, and she was in a cab, and she was in a cab. She was going to hospice. She was a lonely, widowed woman, and she was going to hospice. She didn't have long to live and the driver struck up a conversation with her, and as she began to talk, um, because of the conversation, she, the driver shut off the meter, and he began to listen to her, and they drove around the city for about two hours. And she was just pointing out all of the structures and all of the places within the city where she had sentimental moments with her family. That is the place where my future husband and I had our first date. That over there is where my daughter used to go to piano recital. That place over there is where my son used to play basketball. That place over there is where my wife or my husband used to work. All of these memories, all of these sentimental moments came flooding back. Have you ever just went back to your old stomping grounds? They come flooding back into our memories. The cab driver, he was there, he was in tears of all of these precious memories that this woman had given. And then she said this. She said, I've enjoyed my time here, but this is not my home. My home is in heaven with the Lord and I am ready to go. She was ready to go. And I thank the Lord for that message. Because I needed to hear that. And it just got me fired up. And I thought, you know, when a time comes, I think I'm going to be ready to go. Will you be ready to go? Will you be ready to receive that place that the Lord has prepared for you? You know, this is one of God's great promises for us. That we have a home waiting for us in heaven. This is what got God's people through their captivity for 70 years. This is a type of promise that can propel you and I through our darkest times in life, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is preparing a place for us right now. But my friends, that's not it. Not only does he promise to bring us home, but he has a promise of good plans for his people. Look at what it says there in verse 11 of Jeremiah 29. This is a verse that you all know very well. It's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. And it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now when he says welfare there, he's not talking about I've got plans for you to be on the U.S. welfare system. 
<laughs> okay, that's not what his plans mean for you there. What that word means is he has plans for your well-being. He has plans for you to have peace with God. That word welfare is actually the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means peace. Peace with God. That is God's good plan for us to have peace with him. My dear friends, how do you have peace with God? Do you remember Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump? Do you remember after he got his legs cut off, he was on that shrimp boat with Forrest Gump, and he went up to the top of that sail, and he's yelling at God during that thunderstorm, Come on! Bring it on, God! His peace with God. How did he make his peace with God? How do you make peace with God? I, used, I have this piece of paper I keep in my drawer, and it says, No Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. And then below that it says, no Jesus, no peace, N-O. No Jesus, N-O, no peace. You have to know Jesus Christ. That's how we have peace with God. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to peace with God. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, to make reconciliation for us, remember, to bring us back into a right relationship with him. He said, here is my son. This is what he's going to do for you. If you want peace with me, if you want relationship with me, if you want community with me, then you need to know my son, Jesus Christ. There simply is no other way to a life of peace with God. It is through Jesus, and it is through Jesus alone. There is no room for anything else. My dear friends, I warn you, don't dabble with other things. Don't bring extras into it. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus it's relying on the lordship of Jesus. There's a lot of things out here in even our own community, okay, that people in our community will say this is a good thing to get involved in, but they contradict the word of God. And sometimes they disguise themselves as a Christian organization. Jesus. That's why I say open your Bibles. That's why we put the verses up on the screen. I want you focused on the word of God. I want you focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. Why? So that you won't be fooled. So that you won't be duped. So that you won't be deceived. Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, God has these plans. These plans for welfare. These plans for our well-being. I once knew a young girl. Uh, as friends growing up, she desperately wanted a hamster. And she begged and begged and begged her parents to give her a hamster, and finally they did. And she loved that hamster for a few months. Took great care of it. Boy, she was on it. Every time it needed fed, the bedding changed, all that. Kept that hamster right next to the window by the bed, and that hamster had a good quality of life. Well, you know, a little bit of time went by, and all of a sudden the quality of life for that hamster began to wear off. The novelty wore off next thing you know the hamster's uh 
place was getting moved around the room. And eventually it found its place in the closet. And then it found it to be forgotten. A few days went by, little girl went in there, the hamster was dead. The novelty had worn off. My friends, I want to tell you here very clearly and very boldly this morning, the novelty of you will never wear off in the eyes of God. God never gets sick of you. God never gets tired of you. His love for you is unending and unceasing. His love for you is eternal. His love for you knows no bounds. It is unconditional. You don't have to worry about being put in a closet because he is preparing a place for you right now in the heavens. Amen. You won't be forgotten. The Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always give you food. I will leave you to green grass and still waters because God has good plans for our welfare and he also has plans to give us a future and a hope. You know, I think about the people that are in Florida right now. Long ago, or not long ago, it was Kentucky, wasn't it? Just a few months ago. Boy, think about what they've been through. Losing everything, a lot of them. Nothing to go back home to. No place to go. Trying to pick up the pieces of devastation and destruction. All of their precious memorabilia and sentimental items maybe have been carried away through the water. Nothing left to hold on to here. Perhaps they're thinking, where's my hope? What kind of future does our family have now that we have to pick up the pieces and rebuild? You know, I thought about that after 9-11. What about those families? What about our country, right? How do you think they felt during the Revolutionary War? Well, could you imagine fighting the way that they fought? You ever seen those battle scenes? Pointing guns, point blank at each other. Bonk. <laughs> so different than how we do it today, right? You can do it from a computer. Do -do 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 -do. There's a missile. All that death, all that destruction, what was the future? What was the hope? What was it that they put their trust in? What helps you to get out of bed in the morning? What helps you to endure difficulty and hardships? What helps you to keep your joy during dark times in life? What helps you to find contentment in the most dire of situations? What is it, my friends? What is it that the people of Florida can hold on to? God's promise of a future and a hope. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain because the first things have passed away. This is one of the most beautiful promises that God has given to us. That no matter what struggles we face here, we have that. And I'm going to laser point it because that's how significant it is. 
there I got it all. That is a significant promise for a future and a hope. Everything here can be taken away from us. And it will be when our time physically here on this earth is over. We don't take it with us. But we have that promise. No matter what happens here, the pain will subside. The sadness will go away. Every tear will be wiped away. And when we're in that place that God has prepared for us, we will experience the joy and the reward and the bliss that he promises to give us. My friends, we have nothing to fear in this world but fear itself. It was that Roosevelt, did Roosevelt say that? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. That's the only thing we have to fear. And we have no fear because like we talked about in Sunday school, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ with not fear but with anticipation. We look forward to that moment because we have a blessed hope. And our blessed hope is this, that we will be saved and rescued from that time of judgment when Jesus comes back with eyes of flame of fire. He will not come back here to judge us. He will take Christians back with him to be with him forever. That will be a time of judgment on the unbelieving and the wicked. But for you and I, those who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we have a home with him. And boy, how we look forward to that home. Come quickly, O oh Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www creekside-church.org Find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.